Hi, this is Web37, a 1.37 p.m. Twitter space about all things NFTs and Web3. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 53 of Web37. Today, we have Water and Music. They just launched their season two, and we're really proud and um, excited to have two members of the Water and Music DAO. With us, we have Young as well as Brody. Um, they are the heads of research for the season two, as well as Water and Music as a whole. And later, we'll have the founder, Cherry, um, here in our Twitter space. So this is going to be a really exciting talk. Water and Music covers the web three and music ecosystem very, very well for season one and 1.5. Um, they've published over, was it 40,000 words or 400,000 words? <laughs> Probably closer <laughs> to 40. <laughs> yes, yes. That is a lot of research on the music industry and um, through your collaborative reports, I'm sure musicians as well as people in the music industry have gotten so much out of it. And today we're going to be talking to you about season two and how that's going to be different from all the past things that you guys researched. Amazing. Thanks for having us, Erica. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So for people in the audience who aren't familiar with what Water and Music does, could you just give us a quick um, rundown on what you guys are about and what your mission is. Sure. Um, water in, and Water and Music, we are a music and tech research DAO um, and newsletter. And essentially, uh, we were founded by Sherry and um, we transitioned over uh, into being a DAO uh, in the fall of last year, realizing that there were some topics in the you know with music and tech that just weren't suited to small teams of top-down research so when it comes to things like web3 like the metaverse these huge sprawling nebulous topics uh with many conflicting narratives and they that touch so many different um you know, crossover points of many industries. It's like the chances of three people, quote unquote, figuring it out or making sense of it uh, in a certain, you know, amount of time is much lower than, say, 40 people. Or in the case of our season 1.5 reports, close to 100 people, if you're including uh, the interviewees. Um, and so that's been kind of what we're transitioning and what we've been cultivating uh, in our community. I think especially there to note too is, uh, I think I'm getting this right, that part of Sherry's sort of thinking around the theory of it is to, to you know, minimize the distance between the people carrying out the research and the audience for the research. And at least in this small area of music and tech that that will actually benefit in, in producing better, better research um, that's more usable for the audience. And, and I think that manifests in the audience being you know, we're a membership-based organization and community. So the audience is really the community of people who can also contribute to the research um, if they wish or, or, or just generally inform the research direction. Yeah, and the research that you guys roll out regularly is for members only, correct? Uh, actually, not correct. 
Um, mm-hmm. We rolled out actually the season one and 1.5 have both been completely open. Um, and but That's this good last to know. Season, yeah, but this last season uh, we've rolled out four installments. The last one was today. Uh, so maybe if somebody could post uh, up at the top um, from the Water and Music account. Um, about this season and and the latest articles we've been rolling out, but uh, half of the products we shipped this season were uh, from members, and then half of them are open. And then we're doing two public Twitter spaces associated um, with the season, as well as two closed members only meetings, brainstorms, um, you know, additional material. Got it. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. So there's content and insights that we can get from people who are non-members as well as people who are members, and they can also contribute as well as members. Um, So for season one and 1.5, what were you the most proud of, of what you guys accomplished through your research? Well, for, I I think we might both have different answers or maybe similar answers on this too, but uh, I, I just, uh, I'm really uh, enamored with the whole community research model, uh, that wa- which is what brought me into water and music uh, myself. Um, and I'm just constantly impressed with the amount of community coordination that we're able to get done through these research seasons. Um, I mean, across the last, I think in season 1.5, we had close to 100 overall contributors uh, in both season 1.5 and season 2. Uh, we were able to interview, you know, I think we're up at 26 to 30 interviewees uh, this season. And I think similar, similar level last season. And these interviews were carried out by, you know, 20 plus members each season uh, who went out and were able to, to do qualitative interviews with a ton of interview subjects, which like really allows us to, to cover both breadth and depth in our research seasons. Um, which, and would be like totally impossible if you're, you know, even a small, like think of like a normal academic research team, um, of like, you know, even two to two to five people, um, just the ability to, to cover a ton of ground in a short period of time. I'm always just blown away by, um, you know, how community power can allow for that. Yeah, I, I would say there's a few things. I think I'm very proud that in the end, I think we highlighted and gave a platform to voices and people who are building from the bottom up, um, as well as highlighting some of the more things that are happening more like kind of in the top down from bigger organizations. But especially in season one and 1.5, when we're looking at, let's say, artist onboarding strategies, which is how I met Dave, um, or fan onboarding platform onboarding strategies. Uh, In the second season, we really did uh, discover, I feel like, made a, a through line that was uh like yeah to highlight some voices that are building from the bottom up also this is very very niche but we actually made a contract like an nft music nft contract template which is a tool that can actually be used and i know it's actually being used by people out there 
but I always think it's pretty cool that we have a cohort of uh, real attorneys that donate their time. Um, I don't want to tell them this, but they would probably otherwise charge a lot of money uh, for it to happen. And they come together, um, just passion and interest and wanting to contribute to the space um, and making these tools for artists and their teams. Wow, that is incredible. Sorry. (laughs) I I didn't know that you guys do that. I love that last, that second last point you made, Young, on um, just the bottom up stuff. Like even this season, there was a lot of stuff where you're right, we had like preconceived notions about what was important in the space. And it was actually our community that allowed us to to better understand those bottom up um, opportunities. People, uh, shout outs to, to Lindsay Lonadier and Natalie Crew in our community for, you know, having the community point us in the direction of, of where we should be looking for things. And I think that's a huge advantage to, to uh, the, the sort of water and music community model um, and very proud that we're able to, to do that. Such a good point. Like literally in the middle of the season, you know, these two members who are who core contributors and really respected in the space for so many different reasons, but um, they launched, you know, the Metaverse Music Festival last fall and they kind of raised their hands like, Hey, yo, guys, like you are literally missing so much of what's happening here. And then, you know, in the flurry of a week connected us with like three people, you know, building out these incredible communities and voxels and uh, some of the other virtual worlds. So, yeah, it's it's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome to hear. And um, we are always amazed by the attention to detail that you guys put out in your content. So um, the contract for nft music that you just mentioned is really amazing and it's going to help so much people so many people so um so another question i have is you guys are introducing season two um, after a a successful one in 1.5 and season two is entirely about music and the metaverse and according to some of your research um you guys tracked um since january 21 2021, there have been $2.3 billion in private funding um, rounds in, for funding for music metaverse companies. So across areas like live streaming, gaming, avatars, VR, AR, MR, and general immersive media. When people say metaverse, like we hear that in mainstream media all the time, right? We hear a lot of NFT projects talking about they want to enter the metaverse, but it's it, it's kind of like a very abstract vague concept that a lot of people like if i asked anyone to define what what does that mean to enter the metaverse it's it's super hard to define for a lot of people and so for you guys you guys actually break it down um into different sections and could you tell us more about that brody i'll start this off and try to go briefly and and as concise as possible and you plug the holes give her (laughs) okay um the first thing, so we set out to define the metaverse, and then it became clear to us that, in fact, we were not going to be the metaverse definition police and like say what was or what was not um, explicitly and exclusively in a bounded way. That's uh, Brody's favorite word, in a bounded definition way say what the metaverse was or were not, because as we're interviewing artists and creators and people pouring their time and energy and passion into building things in what they were defining as the metaverse. 
it occurred to us to say, like, who are we to say that what they're doing is not the metaverse because it doesn't have a 3D virtual world to it? But maybe it's an incredibly interactive, uh, you know, multi-chapter experience where fans can interact and build things. And I'm like, yeah, this is the metaverse. You know, we joke, we joke uh, at Water Music that Google Docs is the metaverse, you know, uh, but we're not really joking. <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So what we've done instead is say the metaverse is we're starting with the end user. What are people saying is the metaverse now? And and not just saying, but also showing by building in, right? And the metaverse is maybe more like a point in time, like the metaverse now consists of these different principles, which we've outlined in uh, the report that I think somebody has posted at the top. Uh, we call them design principles for a music metaverse. And then you can take those principles and for every experience, evaluate it um, and not necessarily make a value judgment, but saying, look at each principle and on a sliding scale, how present is that principle um, in this experience? Um, and I think I will stop there and let Brody uh, plug anything I have missed. I think you pretty much nailed it there. Like the idea is that it's evolutionary. It's going to continue to evolve. I think the, the only thing I'd add there too is just those design principles we, we like to, to try highlight within that, um, that article, um, how each of the principal design features relates to musical experiences. Um, for instance, thinking of one which is, is sort of um, interoperability, whether, whether platforms uh, and experiences are interoperable with each other. So, so, you know, you could have your avatar in one virtual world and then walk into another uh, sort of metaverse platform with it. And we, we sort of feature how that relates to musicians deciding where to build in the metaverse. Um, like if, if they want to build a place, will they be locked into that? Do they have to, you know, what are the things they have to consider when making that decision? Um, what might it look like in the future? So I think we're, we're really trying to orient the research to um, for musicians or artists or industry folks or even technologists um, and developers that are building new things to think about um, what those principles or, or design features mean for the way their users will will interact with the space or use them. Um, and so uh, it's really like part and parcel with our, our other article that's really more specific on like here are opportunities you can take as artists, but it's all meant to uh, give artists something to chew on and think about when they're when they're figuring out it or like charting their path to enter the metaverse um, or engage with the metaverse in their in their careers or even in, in you know creating music um, because it's not just in it's not just a useful tool for the marketing side it's uh, it's also there are creative opportunities in there in there as well. I'd be remiss not to say we were deeply informed by Matthew Ball's primer and uh, that Alex Flores, who runs tech and strategy over at Water Music, was like our Sherpa through the technical maze um, that was, you know, basically breaking down that primer and then allowing us to then say, okay, what are our takeaways here and how do they apply to music? Second that, Alex was incredibly helpful as a guide. Uh, I know everything I know about the metaverse because of Alex. <laughs> Thanks for those really 
great in-depth answers. What I'm wondering from your season two research that you guys keep referring to, is there any key points that you can just go over very quickly for people in the audience who might not have had the chance to go through that um, very detailed document? Like, boom, 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 this is what we discovered about music and the metaverse and the future of the music industry in the metaverse. Sure. Um, I think the the biggest aha moment I had as I was uncovering things was, first of all, having done such deep research uh, in the Web3 space was, I cannot stress enough how many people are already in the world that we're talking about. I mean, Fortnite has 83 million monthly users. Uh, last I checked, Roblox had f- over 50 million daily users. Um, and so it was just like the, the scale and the numbers were staggering um, when compared to uh, so many of the worlds uh, we had been researching and also building in uh, ourselves. Um, so just orienting around that fact um, was like aha moment number one. Um when that really sunk in, because you read the headlines, but the more you do the research and you talk to people, it becomes, and it starts to sink in, you realize, wow, there are so many people here. Um, the second thing that we realized was a lot of these big headline virtual concerts that um, you see in the headlines are really games first. They're occurring in games, in Fortnite, in Roblox. There's scavenger hunts, there's quests, there's racing, there's raffles, there's all these things going on. The music is happening as one of the things. And um, it kind of made me think along the lines of, you know, we talk about passive and active listening and where is where's music going to find leverage in these new worlds? And of course, where's the heavy monetization coming from? And then looking at the numbers, uh, which were staggering, as a lot of us know, from for these virtue or virtual cosmetic assets or avatars being sold in the game. You have people like Lil Nas X who are close, closing in on eight figures in virtue sales. And again, we're talking about the, the top of the top most famous artists in the world. So the second aha moment is, okay, there are distinct differences occurring between how people essentially, artists at the top of the food chain are entering the metaverse and ways in which developing and emerging and independent artists are entering the metaverse. And this became the most fascinating, I think, dichotomy that we tried to uh, piece out and Um, It became a mission of ours to highlight as much of the independent and emergent strategies that are going on, uh, almost, you know, looking down the line, some sort of metaverse playbook um, for artists and developing teams who want to start thinking about how how to move music into the metaverse, as well as identifying future opportunities for them and also what needs to happen in order for the floodgates, so to speak, to open up and for uh, independent artists to start having access to, let's say, you know, some of these other opportunities like licensing their music directly into games or getting their music directly into creator toolkits. A lot of this ends up revolving around the complexity around rights. Um, I'm going to stop and let Brody uh, jump in. Thank you, Brody. 
I mean, that was a, that was fantastic, Young. The the only thing I would maybe add on is just um, the the realization that for a lot of people or, or communities that are growing in the metaverse, that the social aspect is uh, and like building community is really um, what is going to get people to show up in the first place, but also keep returning um, outside of the the sort of gamification element that you mentioned, Young. Um, figuring out ways to create social immersion for people and have real relationships form um, is the way into um, if you're say an artist that's trying to bottom bottom up grow your community in the metaverse um, having ways to have meaningful interactions with your fans and and create meaningful interactions between fans so so these communities can grow um, and not grow in a forced way but you know um, feel like you're growing a real community around your work and, and around, and around the fan interaction with your work, um, I think is an essential part of what we found. We, we even had some, some interviewees, you know, note that like, uh, even for instance, they'll use crypto voxels, which is sort of, um, a lo-fi visual environment, I would call it. It's not the, the fanciest high-res graphics. Um, it's built on these, these subunits called voxels. Um, but, uh, we had a, one artist, Coldy, who, who's kind of really well known in the space note that despite, like they chose that world because of how accessible it was for, um, fans and audiences to come in despite the, the visual side of it. I think with the metaverse, sometimes we, we see this, um, you know, the ready player one, like put on your VR headset, have this totally visually immersive thing. That's super high quality, um, and I don't think, I think across the board that one that that's, doesn't exist quite yet. And so for now, um, like really enabling those social connections and community to build can be a, a big unlock for, for artists and people trying to work their way into the metaverse. Yeah. I draw... Oh, sorry, Erica. I'll, I'll sneak sorry, one thing in. Uh, just because, of course, I think a lot of us here are uh, very entrenched in Web3 as well. I'll draw one parallel from RAC. Um, we interviewed him for State of Music DAOs, and he said, people came for my music, talking about his Discord, but they stayed to share cat memes with each other. And I saw such an overlap in terms of community design, um, in terms of how people are thinking about forming and enriching their communities in the metaverse quote-unquote as well as like what we think of as these web3 communities which i think a lot uh, a lot of people would argue are already of course operating in the metaverse and discord but um anyway i just wanted to draw that distinction and then i'll pass it over to you erica yeah, I wanted to say that was a really, really good point. When people think of the metaverse, they think it has to be this immersive experience with the headset. But um, from what your research and what you guys have been putting out, it's it's so many different things. Um, I liked what you guys talked about with virtual merch or virch. Um, a lot of companies like Meta are doing things like that um, with um, Balenciaga Prada, digital clothing stores and whatnot. So it's really exciting to see what we could do with what's already existing. Um, really excited to have Cherry up here. She is um, the founder of Water and Music. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me and, and all of us. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we okay. can hear you okay. really great. 
Awesome. Um, and thank you for everyone for um, staying throughout this space. We will be having a POAP for people who stay tuned um, and as well as Q&A from the audience. So yeah. Um, also in your research, you guys mentioned the shift in crypto markets value because of the bear market. And it seems to be driving people to add more and more value and utility to their NFT products. Do you think now adding utility is the rule and not just a supplement? Do you, do you want to run with this one, Sherry? Welcome, welcome to the stage. Sure. Thank you. Um, yes. I mean, um, we so not in this uh, season two report, but in a lot of the previous research, um, which I you all they have talked about already. Um, our previous research on music and Web three. We've um, dived a lot into music NFTs, which is a lot of artists' like first entry points into crypto and Web3 in general. Um, and the the concept of utility or like the word utility is interesting because like a lot of people think that you know like the utility attached to an NFT there has to have to be a ton of bells and whistles. You have to like do a ton of planning, a lot of marketing, building apart from just the music itself. But like the utility of a music NFT can just be the art. Like it can just be this like great song that you now have in your collection or your wallet. Um, so I think, I guess like part of how I'm thinking about that question is just like expanding what we um, think about when we like think about the word utility. Does it like the, you really can focus on the music itself. And I think there are a lot of artists who would, would love for that to happen and not to have to do all this extra work like uh, around their Web3 projects. With that in mind, um, I think in terms of like effective music NFT drops or campaigns, utility has always been the rule. Like uh, if you, in terms of like communicating, like why you're entering this very complex, but super fascinating and exciting world of Web3, um, what the, uh, like what benefits the NFT holder or buyer will get in owning that token. And again, it could be just, um, being able to like uh, listen to this great song and like have your name attached to it, that is a form of utility, but just like being very clear with that, um, being very transparent, uh, the like very important baseline of just not scamming people and like not making promises that you can't keep. Like, I think that is in, in terms of what makes a successful music web through rollout, that has always been um, the rule. But of course, yeah, especially now, um, given the bear market and also um, thinking about like, not not just shorter term, but like the longer term benefits of being involved in something like Web3. Um, I think just today, for example, uh, Coinbase launched their membership NFT feature. And there are a ton of other like these Web3 startups that are going into membership NFTs, which are much more community driven. The idea being that you want to hold on to this NFT for longer because it gives you access to these community experiences. It's definitely um, a trend we're seeing, and I think there will be more activity around that, like throughout this year, beyond just the like just the, I guess the collectible model that has gained a lot of steam in the last year. That said, again, like the word utility is not just like doesn't just have to be to add on to the art; it can also be the art itself. It's all about like how you communicate that value to people. Yes, yes, thank you. And since we have you here, um, uh, you just jumped on. Uh, <laughs> At a really great time, I just really wanted to ask you what drove you to start Water and Music, and what is your mission? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I guess starting from the beginning. So, 
uh, I think probably a lot of people in the audience are familiar with water music as a um, like collaborative research DAO and community um, trying to research music and tech trends. Um, I started it uh, officially as like a paid newsletter back in 2019 as a very, very different kind of experience. Um, it was just me. I My background is in freelance writing and I've covered music and tech for my whole professional career. So writing a lot for um, especially entertainment and business publications like Billboard and Forbes. Um, and by music and tech, not just crypto, writing a lot about streaming, um, music startups, um, live streaming, especially in the last couple of years. Um, and I started Water Music just as a dedicated outlet to um, explore a lot of, especially like cutting edge ideas that I wasn't seeing being covered a lot, at least in like the mainstream media, and also building a community around it, um, creating um, a, a Discord server from the very beginning. So February 2019 was when I started it. Um, a, a community where like-minded people could uh, come together every day, every week, and unpack the latest news in the industry together. Um, and uh, the DAO part is just only in the last like nine months or so. Um, and actually what inspired me to um, build out this collaborative research model was actually try to research Web3 as um, just like a one to two person team for music and realizing that like there was only so much that we could uncover just by ourselves working behind the scenes. Um, as many people here are probably familiar with, there's just so much long tail activity. Not only is there so much long tail activity, but the ecosystem is being like defined and shaped in real time by people who you will never see in the media because they're just like very much working in like independent um, kind of underground niche communities. Um, like the fact that, you know, Twitter is still like my number one news source for music web three says a ton. I think we're still like very, very early in terms of like how people are sharing and exchanging information. So I knew That's that. Yeah. 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 So for, yeah. um, I just knew like a more collaborative research model had to happen. So that's what kind of sparked my thinking about building this out. So we went through the C club accelerator in, um, September and, um, yeah, the rest is very recent history, I guess, but, um, as, as, as with so much of, this, speaking of things being meta in the metaverse or in Web3, it was like trying to look into Web3 that inspired this, this model to come together. Yeah. And I love that you started off as a freelance writer, you know, as a writer myself, that's something that's really foundational and could transfer to all different types of careers. I actually have a friend, his name is Rec, and he said that you annotated one of his rap lyrics before. I don't know if this was before you started Water Music or during, but that's super cool. You've really just put your hands in a lot of things in the music. That's, okay, this is a perfect example. What a small world. So um, did not expect to talk about this at all. My senior year of college, um, I took a class on Asian American performance art and like performance theory. It was like in the new like theater dance media department uh, at a university. And part of my final project was um, just like analyzing the work and careers of um, Asian American rappers and just like kind of the evolution of that scene uh, over time. And Rex Dizzy, I think, is who you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he was one of the artists who I analyzed. And I was going on um, Genius to try to find like context, like annotations that people were making on their lyrics. And I just found there's so many artists who didn't have any of their lyrics up there, at least in the scene. And then like, if there were like interesting cultural references they were making, like there was no context people were putting in. And I was like, 
Oh, Genius is a really cool example of a platform similar to Wikipedia, where if you have the knowledge and the interest, you can contribute and like work your way up in quite a methodical way to like, I haven't used Genius. I haven't contributed to Genius in a while, but I worked my way up to like editor or like, uh, you know, like editor status just by like adding all these like kind of tidbit, like historical tidbits, references around um, the Asian American rap scene as just like a school project. So that yeah, is so for cool. Sure Everyone like that, like, loves Genius. Yeah. Like I go to Genius regularly. Like it's such a big, like it's like the place for like meanings of lyrics and whatnot. Um, we have Courtney from our music vertical here and she also has a question for you as well. Sure. Earlier, um, Brody mentioned an emphasis on building relationships within these music metaverses that Water and Music has done a lot of research on this season. Um, in season two, I guess I should say. Um, does Water and Music plan to incorporate IRL events or concerts um, that kind of mirror what's going on in some of these music metaverses to build those relationships up? Um, great question. So we we do have a lot of um, like IRL events that we're holding already just as like a service to our community. Um, of course, like COVID notwithstanding, um, people are spending more time like outside, um, less time at their screens. A lot of people are going to conferences like NFTMYC, which happened um, just last month. Um, and just like, just even hosting like informal meetups to bring those people together, given that most of our growth has happened 100% virtually in terms of the community growth is like very, very important. And it's definitely a key part of our, I guess, community strategy, you could say for um, the following year. Um, as for concerts so and, and in terms of like IRL events that are coming up and people we're partnering with this isn't quite a, con a concert but it's like kind of the IRL manifestation of our collaborative research process we're going to have um, a dedicated booth at FWB Fest which is happening in mid-August August 12 to 14th um, and we're going to do like a very a very short but hopefully fun like research season on site where people can kind of like um come by and like uh, contribute their own ideas or perspectives to this project we're gonna do on um, community building and design. So comparing especially like web two or online and then online and like web three native um, communities. And like you could submit like a drawing of like how you imagine your favorite community working and like that is a contribution. So um, very excited about that. And then absolutely around season two, um, whether there's gonna be an IRL component, I guess TBD, but uh, we absolutely like uh, from very early stage, our community members were like, we should um, present our research in the metaverse. Like we should we should get we should like visit some uh, parcel or venue in voxels or we should uh, like set up our own uh, like venue and even like VR chat or something. I imagine that might take like for, for sure that will take more like development work, but um, I mean, just especially given the amount of information that we've produced as part of season two and the connections among all the different articles, um, which we try to make as clear as possible, there definitely has to be some kind of like three year spatial element at the very least to like represent that better. So we are thinking about that still, like figuring out what that looks like, but we definitely want to like practice what we preach uh, or practice what we like would like recommend, I guess, to artists, especially um, similar to how on like the Web3 side where we like lease our own NFTs, we have our own token so we can speak from experience, um, hopefully in a more informed way about like opportunities and challenges there. So, I love that. Yeah. I love the um, integration of both 
in real life and Web3 as well as Web2. And I think you guys are covering it all very well. So I'm going to pass it off to my friend Ezra over here. Hello, hello. Um, I really like the talk about just pre-show, uh, Brody and Young and I were talking about how they were community members before joining the DAO. So can you guys just walk the audience through how that happened and maybe like Young and Brody tell their experience and then um, you can talk about your experience, Sherry. Brody, you want to go first? I've been taking Yeah, a lot sure. Um, my experience was kind of, uh, well, I don't know if I'd call it <laughs> random, but you know, it was kind of getting into into Web3 and especially uh, enamored with the idea of DAOs and, and you know, how they can uh, collectively sort of structure new organizational forms that are fairer, less hierarchical, more equitable. Um, that, that was on my radar. And my background is in music uh, and music management as well. Uh, so I was, I was kind of investigating that area and stumbled upon water and music. Uh, don't know how I didn't know about it before, beforehand at all. Um, but as soon as I, I jumped in, it was, I, I came in actually last December, I guess, December, 2021, or like early, early to mid December, 2021, which was sort of the tail end of season one. And, um, as, as the, uh, you know, lovers of DAOs say their, their, their permissionless structure, uh, was my gain, um, in that I saw it was able to quickly get oriented, uh, kudos to, to Sherry and Young and y'all for, for having everything so well organized when I showed up um, and able to, you know, find my way very quickly to contributing um, and, and adding to that season. Even though I came in so late, I was able to, to you know, start by annotating some um, press releases that they were doing, look at some contracts and add annotations to that, and, and then quickly realize that I, you know, had enough knowledge and background there to be able to, to add some value and also um, quickly realized that it was a team of people and a community that was really fun to work with uh, and enjoyable. Like it, it truly doesn't feel like, like work. I'm not just blowing smoke uh, here. It's, it's a very, very fun, fun process uh, to co-research and community research. Um, and so, yeah, from, from there it was, uh, you know, I, I helped with that season uh, I, I forget where I saw this. Someone was asking about the first time. I think it might have been Joey De Bruin from Backdrop was asking about that for on, on Twitter about the first time you you got a a token that it didn't come with monetary value or anything. It, like getting, I remember that feeling of getting the stream token. Uh, the, my first stream dropped and feeling like uh, pretty proud of it and accomplished. And it wasn't like. Obviously, DAOs have some sort of monetary aspects as well, and it's hard to separate every all of this from financialization. But also, just feeling like uh, you know the reason I was doing it and enjoyed it was was because it was contributing to this sort of collective birth of new knowledge. Um, and then from there, have just uh, kept showing up, which also emphasizes the the permissionless nature of water and music, and and I think the intention with DAOs generally, um, you know. I just, I just kept sticking around and making myself useful, which uh, personally actually like maps well to my 
my own background. I'm a, I'm a bad job interviewer. I like to just show up and, uh, and like stick around, stick around until someone tells me to leave. Um, so yeah, that's my my water music dev story. That's brilliant. Yeah, Brody's entrance was truly heroic. It was like we needed, you know, we were thin on editors. By the way, if you are an editor and you are interested in contributing, please DM me, Sherry, Brody, Black Dave, he's in the audience. Like this guy, I think, you know, more, he's written more in the server in the past month than I have. I can tell you that for sure. And so, yes, if you're an editor, um, please jump in. Or, of course, any interest, but specifically editors. Um, my entry, I'll try to keep it super brief. Like, I was actively attempting to get into the space. Just the hype was uh, too much to resist. Um, and I was interested, genuinely interested. Like, I'm a music producer and songwriter first. And so always trying to be on the edge of what's happening and looking for new revenue streams because generally speaking, things are uh, pretty squeezed out there. So I'm puttering around and I've been in 30,000 discords and I'm like, maybe this space just isn't for me. Like I understand that there's opportunity here, but if it's not genuine and authentic and right, it isn't. Um, and this is the, this is the truth. There was a Cooper Turley tweet of 10 DAOs to watch and water music was on there. And I, you know, set aside some time one afternoon. I said, I'm going to go into every one of these research. And I ended up in water music and I was like, what is this place? It was like Derek Davies was texting in there. Zach Katz, like, and then, you know, uh, Anthony is the founder of hype machine. And like, it's like a hundred people at the time talking at one time in the server. And I'm like, it was so smart. I was learning so much. I was like, these are my people, like unrelenting music nerds, looking at data, trying to figure out what's going on. And I just thought, you know, if you're the sum of your five closest friends, I was like, I'm pretty sure I want my five closest professional friends to be in this place. Like, I'm pretty sure they're here. And so I started spending a lot of time and uh, similar to Brody, uh, pretty relentlessly until one day Shari was just like, do you want to just work here, dude? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And uh, that was it. That's amazing. That just speaks to going into the, just showing up and producing the work. And then if, if you stick around long enough, someone will notice. Sherry, what was that like on your end? Um, this is so heartwarming to hear, by the way. <laughs> I don't even know how to like follow up on that. Thank you both. Um, you guys really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, from my um, perspective, I think all of that um, is is accurate and as intended in that um, when I was thinking through initially how this like collab research model um, was going to work and also um, it kind of like initial design of the DAO, thinking about like what value we could add um, in, like, I, I guess in comparison to how like media companies, I guess are traditionally run or how articles are normally written. Um, something I definitely found at just like conferences with like industry events is that there's so many people who had like really interesting and important perspectives on where the industry could go, especially more like early adopter, like experimental communities that, yeah, again, just were not 
their voices and perspectives were not being surfaced. They, they weren't even like, um, or I guess this is a more like professional career context, but like if you're interested in like picking up a new skill or like researching or learning about a new area of the industry or just like pursuing your own rabbit hole, like um, there are, I guess you could do that on your own, but I wanted to create like a very like intentional guided place where you can not only do that, but like be rewarded for that and like have that work be valuable, especially if like a lot of people in um, the industry or the community kind of like share that um, curiosity. So yeah, from like the very first season, season one, um, I kind of wanted to design the collaborative experience such that like um, throughout the course of like a season or sprint, like week to week, there'd be different opportunities to contribute. You could jump in and be very valuable. Um, at, at any point, like as Brody was talking about, like, yeah, literally with like two weeks to go in season one, we we're like, we need these press releases annotated because we're talking about um, like marketing and fan onboarding into Web3 specifically. And like, that was really, really important, very helpful. Um, one of our main editors currently in our community, Brandon, um, also hopped in like the last like week or so. It was just like, oh, I've been following this, but now, you know, I saw the needed editors that's like my skill set. I know what I have to do now. And like, now he's like very actively involved um, throughout the community and the DAO as a whole. So uh, yeah. So um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just been amazing um, and very fulfilling to see this like grow and to have this, like, I guess this initial intention of like giving people an environment to just like feel safe to go down whatever rabbit holes they want to, um, to experiment however they want to ask like, we have like a no dumb questions channel in our server, for example, like, you know, no such thing as a dumb question, pursue whatever like path of inquiry you have on whatever topic in music. Um, yeah. So again, like very grateful that um, that has like, uh, I guess, succeeded and grown in this way and looking forward to uh, doing it even more. I love it. I want yeah, to, yeah. there's, there's two things that totally full circle. Um, one of them is that, you know, in the beginning of this talk, Sherry, before you were here, they asked what we were most proud of in, in the last few seasons. And uh, I kind of was bumbling with the words a bit, but I'd said, you know, highlighting and giving platform to voices that um, were building things from the ground up. And when you were talking about, you know, wanting to create a ecosystem where people can follow their own rabbit holes and where people with insights um, that are unique, but maybe not voiced or heard as often um, that just totally fell in line to me. And I realized, oh, even in the, it's coming, like that's by design as a part of the DAO, what informs our research and it comes out in the output as well. And it's one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of what we do. And then um, the second thing I want to highlight, and this is kind of to everybody um, listening, we have a formalized pitch process now um, for community members to pitch us on ideas they want to explore and uh, they can find resources and support from uh, Water and Music's core team as well as will help facilitate support from the rest of the community, help them iron out the idea, work through it um, from beginning to end. So yeah, that is another, I'd say, huge benefit of the community. And if, yeah, if you have things you're interested in or want a rabbit hole and you're looking for possibly support and how to do that or a place that can maybe um, highlight that kind of research, we now have a formalized process for that.
and the water and music um, account is pinned up at the top. So if you want to do that, be sure to follow the account and, and take some action there because, you know, during the bear market, the action is what really moves the market, not just the learnings. So we're coming up on the hour. So I'm about to ask a question and it could probably go for 20 minutes, but we're, we'll need to keep it at a couple minutes and then we'll get to the PO app. So in, in your opinion, um, we could go with Sherry. Um, what makes a good DAO, right? Like you get, you can get anyone into the community and you have contributors how do you keep it sustainable while also keeping it productive, right? Because if you have everyone voting on every single proposal, we've kind of seen that not work out so well. So how do you run a DAO that's successful um, when accepting people into the community? Definitely could spend at least 20 minutes on this question. And I, I, don't, I don't know if even like I have figured it out for sure. It was all like, very, very new process. Barely like, yeah, nine months in. So just like disclaimer about that. Um, the beauty of it, we're so early. No one really yeah. has the answer. We're all figuring it out. I'll figure it out. I'll exchange knowledge. Yeah, which is, I, I think, the best kind of environment to be in for this kind of work. Um, that said, so I can, I can speak to my main takeaways from um, Seed Club, because through that, we were connected to a lot of other DAOs that were, you know, just barely ahead of us in the timeline, you know, six to nine months ahead. Um, and what I found is that um, obviously the, if you think about what makes a DAO, the, the technical Web3 layer is very important, like having some um, token that uh, like, you know, has some form of utility, speaking of utility um, to its holders. Um, that said, what is what has been most helpful um, and like what really makes a DAO successful and also where a lot of the biggest challenges are don't have anything to do with Web3 and everything to do with uh, just people and like coordinating people. Um, and this goes to things like governance where like the lessons in like collectively making decisions go back as far back as humans have tried to make decisions collectively, AKA like all of humanity, <laughs> like the history of humanity. Like there are lessons, there's a lot that's technically happening right now that is very new, but there's a lot that is not new in terms of like, um, just how do you, yeah, what's the best way to make decisions about a, like, uh, on behalf of a community in the fairest and most equitable way, like Web3 maybe exacerbates that because there's this, like, expectation of things be decentralized. So, so to go back to the question of what makes it a DAO, I think just very thoughtful community design, um, almost independent of, like, the, the tech layer, but then also, like, of course, thinking about, like, what Web3 uniquely adds that other technology like where other technology falls short. I think that element, you do have to think very critically about like the why Web3 question, but just like thoughtful community design. Um, oh, and then I guess this other thing that's related is like having a shared um, mission and purpose that does not just involve the token. So like I, I've seen a ton of like music, uh, Web3 projects, for example, you buy an NFT, you get thrown on a Discord server, and all people are talking about is the floor price of the NFT and not about like why they're there, like in terms of like the community and kind of the long-term um, like uh, benefit of being a token holder in terms of the relationships it enables with other people or like with an artist or the artist involved. Um, so yeah, I think that that's just a recipe for like kind of just very short-term activity or things fizzling out very quickly. So having like, especially, you know, in a bear market, you know, if your token um, 
if your token price goes down and people end up losing um, money um, or like, uh, you know, is, is there some mission or purpose that will keep people there, keep people, people believing in the project? Um, I think very much in real time we're seeing like kind of projects grapple with that now. But um, yeah, so I'd say like important elements, um, all, both of which can be thought through independent of token, the token itself almost. So just like community design, how do people interact with each other, make decisions, and then just like some shared mission or purpose independent of the technology itself. And as we started the question, it really is like a learning process. And I think we're, we're learning how to layer the technology on top of that, on top of the, you know, millennium year old human structure of decision making. So it, it's all trial and error. And I think you guys are doing a really good job with how you're going about it. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to dive more into the ideas that you guys are presenting because music NFTs are going to be a very big deal. So thank you so much for that answer. Well, we appreciate everyone coming through. Water Music, this has been really, really good. Like, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think it's very thoughtful, and I'm excited to see what you guys have going on moving forward. Um, that, that's a wrap right here. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, check out Web37. It's a podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, you are listening to one right now. We take this audio, we put it on your favorite streaming platform so that you can Listen to NFT information while you're on a treadmill or freaking driving. Who knows what you're doing? You get this information in your ears. Uh, 137 also is, we do a lot more than NFTs, 137. We do culture, sports, music, video games, fashion. It's all wrapped up into this one channel. So if that interests you in any way, be sure to follow 137 PM. Follow also, there's a lot of calls to actions. You guys got to keep up. This is not for the faint of heart. Uh, NFT 137, the Twitter account, we do exclusively nft content here we write articles post short form video we're on instagram and twitter we have our account in the twitter spaces right now it's that blue icon with nft 137 and once you do those i think we're ready to wrap appreciate everyone so much for listening sticking around be sure to follow water and music on twitter as well if you've stuck around this far i'm sure that you liked what you heard so be sure to engage with them and hey maybe you'll end up with a job with them one day who knows <laughs> yeah i heard they're looking for <laughs> contributors and editors thank you so much for having us you guys or thank you so much for letting us have you <laughs> um it was one of the most in-depth podcasts that we ever done twitter spaces and we're blown away by all of your answers thank you so much thank you yeah, yeah thank you so much for having us thanks for tuning in be sure to check out every single live twitter space on our twitter at 1.37 p.m.